Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning, I want to I want to share with you um, sort of a one of my earliest memories as a young boy. Earliest memories. I grew up in uh, in South Arkansas, and let me just tell you how that's a little bit different from Cabot. We didn't we didn't get in our car to go to the woods. We just stepped outside. So that's kind of kind of the uh, kind of the the you know context. But I'll never forget the first time my dad took me hunting, and we actually did get in the truck and drive into a particular place to go hunting. And you know when you go hunting with your dad, as of what, however old I was, I don't know if I was six, five, seven, I don't know, young young kid. When you're, when you're a young man going hunting with your dad for the, at least the first time I remember, how many understand that's like high adventure for a young boy, right? That's, that's like the climax of, of, uh, of, of a young man's existence. So I remember, like, here I am, that's been 40 years removed from where I am today, and I know without a shadow of a doubt I could get in my truck and drive you to the spot where we got out of his truck today. And so I have a lot of vivid memories of that particular morning but I'll, I'll never forget, I don't remember everything my dad said, but I remember the first words he said to me that morning as we got out of this truck. Here was his first words when we got out of the truck that morning. He said, son, step where I step. And I didn't know why he said those words. Like, I didn't know if there was like, you know, bear traps, that if I didn't step where he stepped, we're going to come, you know, because I'd watch cartoons, and that's what happens in the woods. I didn't know if there were sinkholes that if I stepped in the wrong spot, because it always also happens, uh, you know, in the woods on television. And so now I know he was just trying to keep me quiet, right? He was just trying to get me safely from point A to point B without ruining all the purposes or all the chances we had of being successful that day. Those words, step where I step, became my life purpose for the next it was probably 10 minutes, but it seemed like 10 hours. Just step where you step. I didn't know what was at stake, but I knew I had to step where he stepped. This morning, I want to talk to you about walking the footsteps of faith because a lot of following Jesus successfully is simply tied on to that, that, those words my dad said that morning, walking where Jesus walks, walking how Jesus walks, stepping where he steps. I want to talk to you about taking steps of faith this morning. Romans chapter 4, Paul writes, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? In fact, Abraham was justified, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. I want to stop right there and ask you to say that one phrase with me. On your mark, set, go. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now listen to the rest of it. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked... His faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness 
apart from works. Blessed are those, or blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not ever count against him. Is this blessedness, blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. He is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but also walk in the footsteps of the faith. That's where our sermon title comes from today. Walking in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Father, I pray that today the word of God will work. We know it always goes forth to a do what you want it to do. So I pray that today you will help me to work alongside what the Holy Spirit is doing already, speaking already to our hearts and our minds that, Lord, I will not be in the way, but I'll just participate in what you want done. Lord, open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to us personally. Give us the boldness to respond to it, and we'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. Today we're continuing to look at this subject we kind of brought up last week. If there's a question we're answering today, here's the question. How can I be right with God? That's a pretty big question, by the way. It's a question we all got to answer. How can I be right with God? How can I know I'm right with God? Am I, am I basing the fact that I'm right with God on biblical information and biblical process, are my based in the fact that I'm right with God on someone else's opinion or what someone else told me? And we're hoping to clear that up during this season. For years, the people of God believed that it was their personal connection with Abraham or their ability to keep the law that Abraham kept. It was, it was the ability to do the right things that kept them right with God. That was a simple what they believe. But Paul gives us a check a checkup this morning, and he tells us in a nutshell that right standing is not derived from right doing. I want to say that again. Right standing with God is not derived from right doing. You cannot good yourself into the kingdom of God. I was talking to someone the other day and they were telling they were we were talking about eternity. And they made the statement to me, they said, I hope at the end of my life, I hope the good outweighs the bad. That's, a lot of, that's the way a lot of people think today. I hope my good outweighs my bad. Can I just tell you this morning, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but your good is not going to outweigh your bad. We don't have a fix for the bad that we do. We don't have a way to cover the sin we do. We don't have a way to heal the hurt that we cause. There's no way that our good will ever outweigh our bad. If there was a way for our good to outweigh our bad on our own, then Jesus would not have left heaven. He would not have come to earth. He would not lived a sinless life, 
died a sacrificial death. He wouldn't have rose on the third day. If we could work out our own salvation apart from him, he would have never come to earth in the first place. But here's the thing. Our good will never outweigh our bad. We cannot make it. We cannot be right with God apart from Jesus. So therefore, he had to come. He wanted to come. So those of us who are far from God, which is all of us, could be made right with him. So if we're going to be right with God, we have to follow particular footsteps. And they're not footsteps of doing the right thing. Praise God, because I mess up multiple times a day. There's footsteps of faith. So I want to tell you a little, I want to talk a little bit about these footsteps of faith this morning. Here's the first thing we have to understand is that faith begins with a response to God's word. How did Abraham become right with God? It did not begin with him doing the right thing. It began with him believing the right thing. Can I tell you, being right with God is not about doing the right things. It's about responding with belief to God's word. It didn't start with the right action that followed. We'll get there in a minute. But it started with him. It started with faith. It started with him believing the right thing. Sometimes I've heard people tell me, you know, when I get my stuff together, I'm going to come to church. When I get my life straight, I'm going to start serving the Lord. Can I tell you what I've discovered? That never works. They never start serving the Lord. You know why? Because they're trying to put their action before their faith. And putting action for God before you have faith in God, that only leads to spiritual frustration. It only leads to being burned out, hitting your head against the wall. It only leads to wanting to do the right things without the power to do it because we're trying to do it in our, in our might, our, our effort instead of God's help. Right action without right belief will always fall short. And look at what the word says. It says the righteousness was not earned by him, but it was credited. Say that word with me, credited. Credited to him. I don't know if you're familiar with this term, credited to him, but I begin to, to think, how can I communicate to you what it means to, for righteousness to be credited? And I began to think about eight years ago when Stella, our oldest, was born if you know our story, we've been praying for that kid for 13 years before God delivered us, delivered her to us. And so, you know, when, when Stella came, Megan got, I, I don't know, four weeks off from work, six, she was in the classroom teaching school at the time. And so I don't know if it's four weeks of maternity leave, six weeks, I don't know what it was, but she got four to six weeks of maternity leave. And then, uh, you know, Stella was born in February. Then she had, you know, she'd been working for a decade in the school system. So she had, you know, sick days saved up. And so the, the, our, our desire was, was that she could take her, her maternity leave and her sick days. And then you got spring break and holidays. We were trying to make it where she didn't have to go back to work that whole semester. We just thought, wouldn't that be cool if she could just not have to, if she could just be mom. And because I'm not very good at being a mom. We knew that from the beginning. And so we just thought it would be. And so we had it all planned out. And she was almost, she almost had enough to not have to go back to school that semester. She was just like a week or two short. But they had this thing going on at her school. That other teachers that had sick days could actually take their sick days and credit it, give it to someone else. 
And so even though she didn't have enough, she didn't have to finish out that semester because people that did have what she didn't have credited it to her. She couldn't work and earn it. That was an option. But they gave it to her and what she had not in enough became more than enough because someone else credited it to her. Can I tell you and I, what we have, our righteousness in God is not because of what we had, but it's because Jesus went to the cross and he, he bought our righteousness and then he credited it to us. Our account changed on account of him. All of us need our spiritual account to change. But it's not going to change because of us. Our spiritual account only changes because of Him. He credits what He has to our account. Amen? That's how, that's how being right with God works. It works as a response to His Word, to His offering right standing with God. Just think about Genesis chapter 3. When sin very first entered our world through Adam and Eve's failure. Do you remember what happened next? Did Adam and Eve go searching for God or did God go searching for Adam and Eve? God went searching for them, right? You know what? He went, he went searching, not because he didn't know where they were. He went searching with a mission to cover what was broken. God still does that today. Here's, number two, here's the second thing about faith. Works are a sign of our faith, but not the source of our faith. Look at verse number 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, the, the seal of righteousness. Works, what are works? Works are anything we do for God. From the way we live our life, in a God-honoring way, to things we do for Him and service to His kingdom. All of that is considered works. And God instructed Abraham to do a work for Him, a work in His own body, a work that would set Him apart. But, but some people, sometimes they think, is what I do for God that makes me right with God. And I just, want to, I just want to come against that deception right here in this morning. What we do for God does not make us right with God. But the fact that we're right with God should inspire us to do things for God. But too often we get those things, we let our doing become a substitute for our relationship with Him or our faith in Him. And that has two very bad Results. The first bad result is this. We can think we're fine because of what we're doing. Right? The New Testament says something like this. Many will stand before him on the day of judgment and say, Lord, didn't we do amazing things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal people? And Jesus said on that day, you're, you're going to hear, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. People thought what they did for him was equivalent to, for faith in Him. They're not the same. So that's the first danger. The second danger is this, that we can get into our mind, I'll never be good enough. I'll never, I can never do enough. Which is true. But it can become a prison if we don't understand that Jesus has already done for us what you can't do for yourself, right? So we have to come to the point where we realize our works for God is a sign of our faith in Him, not the source of our faith in Him. There are several times in the Bible where God required His people to do something specific. 
Noah had to build an ark. The children of Israel in Egypt had to put blood on their doorposts. Here in Abraham's day, it was this sign of circumcision. And by the way, circumcision was a huge, painful commitment people were making with their bodies to, to signal to other people that we're different. And Paul says circumcision was a sign of faith, but not a source of our faith. By the way, circumcision is not something that's completely outdated because the Bible says that in New Testament times, now circumcision is what? It's a, a rending of our heart and not our flesh. Listen to Second, or sorry, Colossians chapter 2. It says, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off or the cutting off of a sinful nature. How many understand? We talked about this last week. We all have a sinful nature. Different versions called it the old nature or the old, the old man. Even young people have an old nature. So having an old nature has nothing to do with, with, how, with our age. It's the fact that we were once all sinners and that sinfulness was a, was a result of our fallen nature, our sin nature, our old nature. And Jesus, just as he challenged Abraham to, to cut some things off, to prove, not, not to prove, but to signal to others that he belonged to God. God is also, don't, don't check out on me, God is also going to encourage you and I to separate ourselves from some of our sin nature so that those who see us today can realize we belong to God. Sometimes what Jesus challenges us to cut out of our lives is rather personal and rather painful. That's kind of what circumcision is, right? Personal and painful. Some of you wish I wouldn't say that word anymore this morning because it's personal and it's painful. But that's how God deals with us, isn't it? Personal and painful. How many understand the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today about spiritual circumcision? Cut things out of our heart out of our life, that we'd rather not do. Why would we rather do it? Because it's personal and it's painful. But the Lord tells us at times to cut out things. Why? So I can be right with God? No, because I am right with God. It doesn't matter if it's personal or painful or not. If God challenges us to do that, then it's going to be pleasing to Him. You know, there's some convictions I hold there's some things that I do and don't do. They're works, right? They're works that I do and don't do. And I've had people tell me, Pastor, you're way overboard. I mean, that, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't bother me that it doesn't matter to them. Because the Holy Spirit's told me it matters to Him when it comes to me, right? And so... I stay away from those. It also doesn't bother me if they don't do the same works I'm doing because I understand that God told me that, not them that. And he wants them to do what I'm doing. He'll let them know it's not my job. Right? Here's the thing. The closer you are in a relationship with a person, the more of their nature will get into you and the more of some of your old nature 
will be pushed to the side. How many, how many men in the room would say, since I've been married, since I've been married, there's some things about me that have changed? How many wives would like to say, and there's some, some more to go? Okay. That's what I thought. I know I've shared this with you before, but I'll share it again. Megan has this um, trait. I was looking for a word. <laughs> Megan has this trait. She really doesn't like dishes in the sink, dirty dishes in the sink. And I know she doesn't like dirty dishes in the sink because she'll stay up till midnight washing the dishes that are in the sink before she comes to bed because she just can't sleep with dirty dishes in the, in the sink. But I can tell you, I can sleep like a baby with dirty dishes in the sink. It doesn't bother me at all. I can, I can, it doesn't, doesn't, but, but many times, I'm not going to say every time, but many times when I walk through our house and if I see dirty dishes in the sink, I now stop and I wash them. That is not my old nature. I'm not saying that I really enjoy it today. But I understand it pleases the one that I'm in a relationship with. Listen, our, the most permanent changes, you might want to write this down. The most permanent changes in our lives are those that are birthed out of a relationship. What you couldn't do before you met Jesus, you can now do with ease. What you didn't want to do before you met Jesus, now you want to do. And it's not because someone told you you have to. It's because now you're in a relationship with Him and you want to. I would just say this. Don't resist or fight against new convictions or new priorities when you're following Jesus when they come from Him. Because that's many times that's just His nature working in your nature. The most permanent changes in our lives are birthed out of relationships. I'll never forget the story of a seventh grade boy. His parents were ready to ship him off somewhere because they couldn't get this seventh grade boy to take a bath, comb his hair, or use any type of hair hygiene products. His room looked like the pigs lived in there. He came out to go to school every morning smelling like the pigs lived in there. And he just didn't care. He didn't care a bit until one morning he came home. Or he came out of his room. His room was clean. His clothes were not disheveled. He had combed his hair, used personal hygiene items that morning. And his parents, their chin dropped to the floor. And finally one of them got the nerve to ask, Son, what has changed you? And he said, Her name is Allison. And she's in my fifth grade geometry class, my fifth period geometry class. What, what happened? A relationship brought forth a change that nothing else could change. See, our works do not lead us to God. They're simply evidence that we're in a relationship with Him. Right? Our works do not lead us to God. They're simply evidence that God is leading us. So this morning, make sure we don't try to put the cart before the horse. Sometimes, sometimes 
I, I, I find myself, I know you don't do this because you're more spiritual than I am, but I find myself trying to get someone else to quit certain evils, abandon certain thoughts and pro, uh, processes because I think if they will get away from this stuff, then maybe they will find Jesus when the truth is, it's when they find Jesus that they're going to get away from this stuff. Sometimes we need to do better at leading people into relationship instead of leading them into conformity of certain behaviors. Number three, here's the thing about faith. Third thing about faith is that the promises of God will extend to anyone and everyone, to all who express faith. Abraham, not only those who are of the law, but those who are also of faith, for he's the father of all. So right standing with God is not, the bar is not performance. The bar is faith. It's not what I can do, but instead it's who and what I choose to believe in. I don't have faith, by the way. I don't have faith in faith. I don't have faith for faith's sake. You got to be careful because if you just have faith in faith, and if you think of the power of belief, you'll find yourself aligning your convictions with some sort of fantasy television show instead of faith in Jesus Christ. I don't have faith in faith. I don't have belief in belief itself. I have faith in Jesus. I believe what Jesus believed. I own what he believed. I, my faith is in him. It's in his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, Hebrews said, but his word's not going to pass away. This is good news because that means anyone can experience salvation through Jesus. Number four. I'm going to try to give you these last few in a hurry. Number four. Faith is not bound by what seems possible. Look at verse number 18. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Luke chapter 1, verse number 37, the angel said to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. In Matthew 19, verse number 26, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Abraham received a great promise and also, at the same time, received a great test of that promise. The big test was his physical condition, his age, how long it took. But he believed the Word of God even though it tested his belief. How many understand that faith in God will be tested? When you decide, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus, I'm going to follow His will and His ways for my life, can I tell you, that decision will be tested. But I like what one preacher said. He said, a faith that has not been tested cannot yet be trusted. But when I, choose, when I choose to believe Jesus, when I choose to believe God, no matter if hell is coming against me, it's in that moment that I discover this faith that has not been tested yet. If I'll trust it in those times, I'm going to discover its presence like never before. That's why Hebrews says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Not the substance of things we have. Number five, faith does not deny reality. Look at verse number 19. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's wound was also dead. Let me just, in case you haven't 
in case you don't know the story, the promise given to Abraham was this, he would have a son, and his son would be, his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the heaven. That was the promise. But here's the, here's the push. Here's the rub. Abraham was 100 years old, right? Sarah was old and Abraham was older. It was, we got two things going against them. But, but faith doesn't ignore the facts. I, I've had so many goofy people tell me through the years, well, don't, don't admit that something's wrong. Right? Pastor, I can't believe you just called people goofy. We can edit it out of the video, okay? I mean, but I've had people to, well, don't, 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 don't say you're sick. Don't say you're hurting. Don't, don't say your checking account is empty. Don't say you have limitations. What does the Word say? Because I'd rather do what the Word says than what people say. The Word says that without weakening his faith, Abraham, he... He faced it. He confessed it. My body is as good as dead. There is nothing, there's no way that within myself that the promise of God is going to happen. But can I tell you, your physical condition, your, your, your ability has never been nor will it ever be a limitation to what God can do in your life. I cannot tell you how many times I almost aborted the promise of God in my life because I looked at certain opportunities and abilities in comparison to what I thought was possible instead of what God said was possible. We've got to be careful. Faith does not deny reality. It just believes that God is greater than any reality that I'm facing today. Faith does not ignore what's going on in your life. It simply acknowledges that it doesn't have the last word. Faith decides that God will have the final word. Faith decides that I'm going to live every step along the way according to the word of God. Number six, maybe if you want to come. Faith can flourish through any circumstance. He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Paul told Timothy, chapter 1, of verse 12, he said, this is why I'm suffering as though I am, and I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've entrusted into him. Paul was persu- or sorry, Abraham was per- persuaded that God could keep his word. He knew his promises were not circumstantial. His faithfulness is not circumstantial. He can provide for us in a wilderness just like he can a promised land. There's a, there's a scripture, a promise that God gave Moses where God told Moses, just go for a walk. Remember this scripture? It's in the book of Joshua. And he said, wherever you go, wherever your feet tread, that's what I'm going to give you. And I've read that promise many times, and I've always thought, man, well, I would be taking a lot of steps. I'd do, I'd do a lot of walking. If God is telling me, wherever my feet go, he can give that land to me. I, I, I should... I should Believe for more and trust more and desire more from the Lord. But you know, it's not just an expression of what all we can believe for God. It's also a promise that God can work over there and He can work over there and He can work over there and wherever your feet goes, that's the place God can work. And that promise is for you today. Wherever your feet take you, God can work in your life. George Cruz, 
God can work in your life right here in Cabot, Arkansas. He can also work in your life in Dallas, Texas. Wherever your feet go is a place God can touch you, heal you, meet you. That's what we're believing for you and Darcy and your family. Amen? I'd prefer you stay here selfishly. But I'm grateful to know that no, no matter where you go, the most repeated promise in God's Word is this. He will be with you. That's true for everyone in this place. There's no place you can go. The power of God cannot move. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Is there a, is there a step of faith you need to take today? title of the message is Walking in the Footsteps of Faith. If I had five more minutes to preach, I'd tell you this. Faith is not stagnant. It's always moving. It's always trusting. It's always believing. Is there a faith step you need to take today? Maybe you've been a Jesus follower for months or years, but you haven't followed through with the commitment He's asked you to make to display to those around you or just to display to him that, Father, I'm all in. Abraham circumcised himself. Man, what a commitment. It was personal. It was private. And it was a commitment that no one would really know if he made or not. Sometimes the commitments God asks us to make are so personal or so private, no one knows whether we made them or not. But you know, and God knows. If there's a faith step today, I'm not challenging you to take a faith step to get right with God. I'm challenging you to take a faith step because you are right with God. And He's wanting to lead you a step further. Maybe it's serving, maybe it's giving, maybe it's loving, maybe it's, maybe it's a cutting away of something that, that, that you've justified for days, weeks, months, or years. Perhaps everyone in your life tells you, don't worry about that, it doesn't matter. But if it matters to God then, and it matters to you, then, then that's the end of it. There's, if the Lord's challenging you in that way today, I would just challenge you to respond. Respond. There, there's, there's nothing we've ever given up for the Lord that He doesn't not only give back to us multitudes times over, there's nothing we've ever surrendered to the Lord we've ever regretted. And I know that's, that will be your story too. Or maybe, just maybe, there's someone in the room today, the faith step you need to take is you need to place your faith in Jesus for the very first time. Maybe you have, maybe you've been in church thousands of times, but you've always thought that having, being right with God, it was getting things right on the outside. When it really starts with getting your belief right on the inside. And that is, so simple to start today. You can start it in this moment. Today, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not asking if you're doing all the right things or wrong things. I'm asking, are you, have you placed your faith, not a casual faith, but a life-transforming faith, into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son? If you haven't done that today, I'd love to just include you in a prayer in just a moment. If that's you, would you just lift a hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen? Amen? Amen. Good news. All the good stuff we've done doesn't, doesn't make us right with God. Pastor, how's that? Good news. Because all the bad things we've done doesn't keep us from being right with God either. So, Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand this morning. 
Lord, your word says we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, that we can be saved. We confess our sins. He's faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything that's not right. Father, I pray for those who are lifting their hand this morning, just confessing that I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Father, I'm thankful that you have an open door for us to confess our sins today and commit our lives to you. God, I pray for those who lifted their hand, they would do that in this moment today because you're not, you're not shunning them, you're not casting them out. You're welcoming them. And Father, I also pray for each of us in the room today who we do have faith in you. Lord, I pray that we would be submissive to the continuing work of our faith, to the continuing work of that spiritual circumcision. If you want to cut things out of our life that are not pleasing to you, it doesn't matter if they're pleasing to us or others. Lord, perhaps it's personal, perhaps it's private, it doesn't matter. If it matters to you, then it matters to us. God, lead us in those decisions today, not to fit man's mold, but so that we can be conformed into your image. Lead us and guide us in that area of our life. And today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about some changes, some cutting off that you need to do in your life, I'm not going to ask you to lift a hand or come forward today, but I would ask you to share that conviction with someone. Pastor, why would I do that? Because there's something about when you share it with someone else, it adds a little bit of accountability to your life. You, you can share it with me, that'd be fine, but, but find someone to just to share it. Let them, hey, this is where the Lord's speaking to me, and with his help, I'm going to follow through. Father, I pray for my friends today. I pray that this holiday weekend, as there are many of them are off work and join time with family, God, I pray you will bless them. I pray you will keep them. I pray your face will shine upon them. Give them peace and joy, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his work today? We love you, Lord. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. If you're a first-time guest, I'll be on the front porch in about 60 seconds. I'd love to greet you and meet you and put a gift in your hands. Have a happy, happy weekend. God bless you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.